following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
I've known so many people that think a Christian means going to church a lot. You may have heard this before, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Saying a prayer don't make you a Christian. People in every religion pray. Even praying to Jesus doesn't make you a Christian. He says, many shall come in that day and say, Lord, Lord. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. Having the gifts of the Spirit or looking like you've got them doesn't mean you're a Christian. Jesus said, many shall come in that day and say, Lord, did we not cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead and all kinds of stuff? And he'll say the same thing, depart from me, I never knew you. You know what a Christian is? I've got a really good definition. Someone who's bananas for Jesus. Someone who loves the Lord thy God with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and all his strength. Don't forget the second part. And he loves everybody else. Almighty God, as I speak this word tonight, quicken our hearts. Come and move among us with freedom and with joy. Search our hearts. Grow us up. Thank you, mighty King. I pray in your name. Amen. Thirty-some years ago, was the first time I began to seriously press after the Holy Spirit for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Nothing seemed to happen. I could see no change. What did happen is that within a very short time, I had lost my church and I'd been fired from the denomination. And I was without a job. My cry ceased. I no longer asked for the Holy Spirit, but I didn't connect then my prayer for the Holy Spirit and losing my job in my church. It was some years later. I once more began to sense a great emptiness in my soul. And I began once more to cry out, to press Jesus for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, within a very short time, I lost my church and my ministry. I didn't connect this. And once more, I began to cry out for the Holy Spirit And this time I lost my home, my car, my savings. I lost everything and became homeless for five years. I was beginning to see a pattern. And now once more, my soul is being quickened on a promise that God gave me 12 years ago that if I would read his word, he would give me his power. Twelve years ago, I said, Lord, I don't want your power. I want your presence. It took me a while to figure out that if I had his power, his presence would be there because he wouldn't trust me otherwise. 
So again, it's pressing after the Holy Spirit. Now, what's going to happen to us? Because I'm not going to back up and I'm not going to back away. I already know what it costs. My whole life, I've been losing. Every time I began to cry for the Holy Spirit, I lost everything. Tonight I come with a full awareness of the danger of asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I can't think of anything more dangerous we could do as a church than to ask for the presence of the Holy Ghost. He cannot come into sin. So if we ask him for the Holy Ghost, the first thing he has to do is begin to purge and break everything that stands in the way of his giving us what we've asked for. You want to ask for the Holy Spirit with me? Are you ready to pay whatever price the Holy Spirit demands before he'll come in? He will not share himself with us. I always thought through those years that I was asking for a gift like at Christmas time. Jan gives me a beautiful gift, a nice pen. I get to put the nice pen in my pocket. I get to continue with my life, except now I can pull out the beautiful (laughs) Mont Blanc pen. And people say, whoa, you've got that. No, no, I didn't buy it. It was a gift. I thought I could ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit and it would be given to me like a gift. What I didn't know is that he won't share himself with any part of me. Me has to move out. For him to move in. That was what the price was about. Okay, Ray. You want the Holy Spirit? Let's cancel a few amenities in your life. Like your job. Your car. Your house. Do you think you can just add me to your menagerie of wonderful things? So you can trot the Holy Spirit out like you trot out your pen? Is that how you want the Holy Spirit, Ray? No. No. I'm beginning to understand that for the Holy Spirit to come in, I have to first move out. Now, when I move into a house, I'm married to a wonderful Yankee lady. And she says, Ray, we've got to clean the house before we move in. And I'm saying, sweetheart, it's already dusted and swept. What's wrong with it? It's dirty, Ray. Somebody else lived there. We've got to clean it up. We're not going to move into a house that's dirty. Whoa. 
So the scrub teams have to come. The drawers have to be pulled out. Every window has to be polished until it shines. The carpets have to be shampooed. Some of you know. You helped join the team last time. God says, you want my Holy Spirit to come moving in? Let's get the cleaning team in. Let's scrub out the place. Let's get your furniture moved out. Let's get all your stuff moved out. There's no room for me in your house if you're living there. Now, I I don't know. Is this uncomfortable for you? This is uncomfortable for me. Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew, the ninth chapter, Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Is it your heart's desire to be harvested or to be a harvester? Well, I don't have to even hesitate to answer that question. Jesus, just go ahead and pick me and take me to heaven. Wouldn't it be much nicer to just be picked and put on the load, and and carried sweetly to heaven? Or do you want to be a harvester and sweat in the heat of the day, working for the master? Well, which are you tonight? Do you believe God has picked you and so you're being carried sweetly to heaven? Are you being harvested? Or are you a harvester? The answer to that question will make all of the difference in terms of whether or not you're willing to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only reason the Holy Spirit is given is to turn a person into a harvester into a worker in the kingdom of God. Now, with this kingdom business, he calls his 12 disciples to him, and he begins to give to them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. This is not something that I possess in myself. This is an authority that is given to me by God to rule over the powers of darkness that hold men and women captive so they can be harvested. When I try to harvest them, it's sour apples. I manage to knock a few off the tree and they hate me. And most of them spoil on the ground. It takes Holy Spirit power to harvest. 
And he begins then to name his disciples, and he begins to tell them what they're supposed to do. Verse 7 of chapter 10. Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. This is kingdom business. Harvesting is kingdom business. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. What's he saying? When you come to this house and this mama has a little child that is sick, heal that little child and that mama will say, Will you stay with us? I'll be happy to feed you as long as you're in town. There is nothing that will open the doors of finance more than the power of God's revival moving in authority in the hearts of men and women. And that little fire has to be started with a little group of people who are willing to come before him and say, I'm ready to move out of my life and let you move in. Until that decision is made, until that transaction takes place, the Holy Spirit cannot come and move in. And revival will not happen, and we'll drift this way, and we'll drift that way, and a new theme will come in, and then a new interest will take place. But basically, it's same old, same old, just church. But when we make a choice and we say, Holy Spirit, I have to have you. Jesus, send the fullness of your Holy Spirit into my heart and into my life. I can't live without it. Then he begins to say, okay, I'll move you out. I'll move you out. You always have to move out before he moves in. Now, I would rather he would just move in and would say to me, now, Ray, this needs to move out. And do you, this, no, I don't want to let that go. Okay, let's move this out. No, he doesn't do that. He stays out till we move out. He doesn't share himself with us. All the filth, move it out. All the righteousness, move it out. Everything that we've done in our own power, move it out. Holy Spirit, clean me, wash me by the blood of Jesus. I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. I'm eager, I'm eager, I'm eager for you to come in and take charge. He goes on. He tells them exactly what to do. Verse 11 Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. In other words, if that person will give their heart to me, and if they will move out of their life, I'll move into their life. Let your peace remain on that house. I'll abide in that house and I'll renovate it and I'll change them into my glory. Otherwise, let that peace return to you. 
In other words, let confusion take them over again. Let darkness rule over them and punish them because that's what the devil does. He destroys and breaks and harms. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town or home. I'm telling you now, people will not all listen to us as we speak the word of God. Again, the gospel does not go forward with sugar. It goes forward with salt. Everybody loves sugar. But everybody's not going to like salt. I tell you the truth, it will be more honorable and bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. The words, be careful what you say and where you say it. Only speak what the Holy Spirit gives to you. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local council and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings. Do you understand that this is going to happen again? As the Holy Spirit moves in, we're going to do things that we would never have dreamed we would do. We're going to talk to people we'll never have imagined we'd talk to. And we'll talk to them in a manner that we never expected to talk to them. Brother will betray brother to death. A father, his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. And all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus is warming up. He's warming up to a very serious issue. Verse 26, so do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, in other words, what I tell you at night, as you're on your bed, what I speak to you on your bed, speak it out the next day. So what you hear tonight, go to work and say tomorrow. What you hear tonight, speak to your family tomorrow. Whatever it is the Holy Spirit has put in your heart, speak it. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So he's saying, look, let's get it clear who you should be afraid of. Don't be afraid of those who can't harm you. Maybe they can harm your body, but they can't harm your soul. Even the very heads, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. This is said in the context of kingdom business. This is not some sentimental statement that, oh, God loves everybody. 
That's not the context of the passage. The passage is those who have moved out of their lives and have let Jesus come and move in by the power of the Spirit. He'll count the hairs of your head. He better, he's living there. That's how he knows who you are. He's living in you. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. He's not asking for pushovers. He's asking for men and women who are willing to move out of their lives and allow Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit to move in and be first in your heart and then to speak boldly what he gives to you instead of walking around doing the political mumbo-jumbo. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. I have a member of my household that I've given a CD to. This member of the household did not want to accept it. And I said to them, please listen to this, and I want to talk to you about this. This person does not want to talk to me. But you know what? I'm not backing up. This is not some casual social affair. This is salvation. This is heaven or hell. I am not going to be pleasing to them. I'm going to be salty to them. And if that saltiness divides us, so be it. It's okay. Because if they separate from me, it'll only intensify my time in the prayer closet as I lift them up before the throne of God and ask God to to move into their hearts and into their life. I'm going to continue loving them. I'm not going to fight with them. I'm not going to create distance with them. I'm going to cause the gospel of Jesus Christ to be presented to them time after time after time. Every time I only talk about Jesus. I only know how to talk about Jesus. You see, when I moved out and the Holy Spirit began to move in, I couldn't talk about anything else because the Holy Spirit is only interested in talking about Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any other mission except to lift Jesus up. And if I have any other agenda other than lifting Jesus up, I am at odds with the Holy Spirit and I grieve him from my heart. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And Jesus now begins to lay it out very straight. And it's not about whether Jesus is worthy. It's about whether I'm worthy. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, anyone who tries to please his mother or his father instead of me is not worthy of me. 
Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So if I try to please my family instead of Jesus, he says to me, you are not worthy of my presence. And I am left alone. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Do you understand? Three times he says, you're not worthy of me if you've chosen anything else. The only safe haven is for me to choose Jesus and to move out of my life and say, Holy Spirit, move in. As we were together singing songs of praise, I was standing here crying out to the Lord saying, Lord, I will not do one thing to build your church. I will never do another thing to build your church. Either you build your church or it doesn't get built. I will say what you put in my ear. I will do what you ask me to do. But you have to build the church. It's your church. And I've been standing like that before the Lord now for some time. Saying, Lord, it's your church. It's not my church. Now, every church I had before this, when I asked you for the Holy Spirit, you took it away from me. You can't take this church away from me because it doesn't belong to me. It's your church. Do as you want with your church. Do as you want with me because I'm a part of your church. It's your responsibility, mighty God. It's your name that's on the line. My name's not on the line. If this church fails, my name's not on the line. Because I'm going to tell everybody far and wide, God chose to reject us and he closed it. It was his to close and it was his to bless. He closed it. So I know I'm safe now in praying for the Holy Spirit. Because there isn't anything he can take away. It's all gone. I have no ownership anymore. Everything belongs to him. So he's welcome to do whatever he wants, but I'm going to intercede. I'm going to cry aloud. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to say what he tells me to say. And some of you are very uncomfortable with me because I've been right after you. I see you get up and leave the service. I just get up and walk after you and say, come on back in here. I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. Because it's not mine. It's his. When he says, tell him not to wear that anymore. Okay, I'll tell him not to wear that anymore. As we were driving up tonight, I was saying to my precious wife, sweetheart, I'm really uncomfortable in in this place that the Lord has put us. It seems like we're just... We're just after everything. Pastor Jan said, no, we're not. Jesus is. He doesn't want us running in and out. He doesn't want us interrupting his time of prayer. He wants us to come into his presence and settle in his presence and let go of all the upheaval in our hearts and all the conversations we think we need to have. He wants us to come in and get rid of us and open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit come in. I praise God for that. 
That's what I want. Holy Spirit presence. Listen to this. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I stopped and I waited before the Lord on this. I cried out to the Lord over it. I said, Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. Would you please, I'm a simple man. Would you unfold this for me? Would you let me see this? Almost all of my life, I have tried to maintain my life and add to my life the blessings of God. And he's saying, you can't do that anymore. You can't maintain your life anymore. Well, what do I mean? Well, I have, I have Tuesday off. Oh, I've got a day just to do what I'd like to do. I haven't had a day off in a long time. Jan, what would you like to do today? We've got today off. Well, let's turn the cell phones off. And let's just go somewhere. Where? Well, it doesn't matter where. Let's just go. Let's get out of here. And so our life begins to unfold for our day off. Notice, it's our day, and we have it off. And we're free to do whatever we'd like to do. So let's go here. Let's go there. Let's, let's have a wonderful time together. And at the end of the day, what do I have? I have my life. It's all intact. And it's been a wonderful day. And I've enjoyed every minute with my sweetheart. Of course, God would never give me a wonderful day. I have to take a day off from God to get a wonderful day. God's a hard taskmaster. Now, let's go another way. Jan, we don't have any responsibilities today. Let's go ask Jesus what he wants to do with us. We're going to be with Jesus all day. We're going to only go where he sends us. We're only going to do what he tells us to do. Do you suppose Jesus could possibly have a good time with us for a day? Just taking us places and doing things that he wants to do? Is that too much for your mind to grab? Do you see the difference? Now, how about a work day? Get up in the morning, get ready, push, go to work, get through the day, guard yourself, say the right thing, do the right thing. 
try to get out of there without gossiping, without getting an attitude. Come home exhausted. All right, I had a good day. Or I had a really bad day. But I had my day. Instead, waking up in the morning and saying, Jesus, look at the day we have together. You've assigned me to this place to work. I've moved out. Will you go to work today? I can hear him say already, yes, I'm going to work today at the Pentagon. Yes, I'm going down to work with Jenny May today. Yes, I'm going to the insulation business today. And you're saying in your heart, thank you, Jesus, for going to work for me. Can I come along? And all day, Jesus does what he wants to do with me. And he does what he wants to do with the people around me. And I come home when he sends me. And I say, Jesus, you had a wonderful day today, didn't you? You had the victory today, didn't you? I'm tired, Jesus. Would you rest with me? And you never leave his presence because you're not running your life. And you've not been ashamed of him. You've not been unworthy of him. You've walked in his presence all day and his peace has been in your heart. And hard things have come. Impossible situations have come. And you've watched the Holy Spirit move you right through that fire. And you are not burned. You watched as he set up situations where he's saying to you, okay, come walk on the water with me. The next distance is water walking. There's no way you'll get through this. So let's just go through it. Don't look at the circumstances. Just keep your eyes on me. Watch me. We're going to walk through this together. And at the end of the day, your feet are not even wet. And everything may have crashed around you. And you say, Jesus, it's your will. I trust you. You're in charge. I'm not in control. You're in control. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and your kindness. You have rescued me this day. Now rest in me, Holy Spirit. Every breath you breathe in, come in, Holy Spirit. Every breath you breathe out, minister in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit. So all day you're breathing in the Holy Spirit. You're breathing out the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you begin to see what will happen in your heart? As you cooperate with Almighty God, no longer are your eyes on you. Your eyes are on Jesus. No longer are you feeling, look how I'm being treated. Look how they're talking to me. 
Nobody loves me. I'm going to go eat worms. No, your eyes are on Jesus and you and Jesus are walking together and he's inside of you. And anybody who's looking at you funny is looking at Jesus. Anybody talking mean to you, they're talking to Jesus. So let Jesus take care of it. And you just be salty and speak boldly his word. The Holy Spirit is calling the National Prayer Chapel to a radical place of commitment and obedience where we will say, I no longer will live my life. I give my life up. Holy Spirit, come and live your life in me. And every morning when we open our eyes, we say, Jesus, come and live in me this day. Come and walk in me this day. I can't carry the burdens of this day, Jesus, but you can. Come with redeeming power, Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, I am waiting expectantly for the magnificent movement of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life. He is coming with power. He did not call this church up to have it wither on the vine. He called this church up to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, the fruit of righteousness. So tonight, have you been living your life? Have you been unworthy of Jesus? Or are you walking humbly before the Lord, waiting upon him, seeking his face? Acknowledging his presence. Is he living in you tonight? Almighty God. Almighty God, come and dwell in us. Make us your kingdom business. Lord, make us harvesters in your kingdom business. Lord, with power and with authority, come in now and take over the National Prayer Chapel. Jesus, it belongs to you. Lord, you can't take this church away from me because I already gave it to you. You can't take my ministry, Jesus, because I already gave it to you. You can't take my wife because she's yours too. Lord, everything I have is yours. Everything that I hope for is yours. All that I am is yours, Jesus. Come and claim what is rightfully yours. We wait upon you, Holy Spirit of the living God. We wait, Jesus. You promised that you would send your power. We wait now for your power. We have read your word. We have walked before you. Come now, Holy Spirit of the living God. And dwell among us. And in us, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Search me.
Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
I hope.